0: Mm-hmm. Back with Benny, Banksy, and Boydie. Hang on a second. There's no Banksy or Benny here. That's right. It's just Boydie here from the Basketball Blokes, Dribbling All Things, Aussie Hoops, and NBL Fantasy. Got a bit of a special uh, podcast this week. I was fortunate enough to have a chat to the grand champion of NBL Fantasy, even though he is ineligible, uh, one Liam Santamaria. Uh, and ask him to come on and uh, do, have, have a chat for 20 minutes or half an hour or so and uh, get a bit of a idea of what worked for him and maybe what didn't work for him and also just a little bit of uh, general MBL talk to finish this off for the day. Um, now, I have to excuse the uh, recording at times. I had, had some technical difficulties uh, with the phone call and recording the phone call, um, so it's a little bit of a shady recording, but um, stick it out. Um, Hopefully I've uh, edited enough so you can make sense of it all and uh, enjoy the podcast. Cheers. Cool. Thanks for joining us, Liam. And I guess to start off, uh, congratulations on the win. Uh, I think you have finished around about 235, I think it is, something along those lines, fantasy points ahead of the second place person. And you're almost uh, 500 points ahead of me, unfortunately. Um, after looking pretty good there in the in the last couple of weeks, I guess. Start off, you know, what what was your strategy, I guess, for the team at the start of the year, and and what worked for you and what didn't? Um. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks, mate. Um, appreciate that. Uh, my
1: strategy, honestly, I'd never. fantasy before. I'd actually i never played AFL Dream Team, but a lot of NBA fantasy over the years with fellas and um, but this was a whole different thing to wrap my head around because um, I'd never played in a fantasy league like this where you know you and I are competing against each other but we can both have the same players yep. on our team. You know, I'd always been involved in like drafts yep. drafts or snake drafts where I get the guy and you don't. So salary and everything was was um kind of the first step and um, my man Tom Hirsch from you know the from MBL.com.au first couple of weeks and then all of a sudden from there my team had plenty of money to move people around and pretty much for the most part do the moves that I wanted to do and um, so I think that was probably the, the, the thing that set it all up was just getting kind of the right guys
0: in right from the very get go. Yep so you use that to your advantage to get the um, appreciating um, salaries and all that sort of stuff so did you have Bogut from the start then by the sounds of it?
1: Like, all right, well, what are the what are the key stats that you sort of need in this game? And obviously, they were talking about offensive rebounds, blocks, and assists were yep. the ones that they said will really separate players. And I thought, all right, well, well, you've got to have the bogeyman, no matter how much it
0: costs. Yep. Because uh, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna keep him off the offensive glass. He's gonna send back a lot of shots, and you know, we all expected him to throw a bunch of dimes as well. And then. Um,
1: yeah, so then from there another there you know another guy DJ Kennedy was yep. the guy I had in right from the get go because I thought well he's going to sort of contribute across the box score. Um, I liked the idea of Nathan Sobey at the one for Adelaide and um, him being a guy that could um, that could contribute right across the box score like that. So to have you know early on in the season especially he was putting up big numbers with the triple double yep. and whatnot. Um, Sean Law impressed me a lot in, in pre-season. His money went up fairly big in the early going. Obviously, he's done um, you know well in the second half of the year, but those first sort of three or four weeks were, were, were pretty helpful from him as well. And
0: Who else went up early? Jacob Wiley, I had him in there. Yep. Um, and then obviously those guys
1: on the bed, Dave Barlow, I think was on my team from week one to week 18.
0: Yeah, so you had him from the start, and I've noticed um, Emmett Nana was also on your final round team as well. Did you have him from the start as well as a cheap point guard bench option? Yeah, I did, yeah. So he sort of sat there the whole time. To be honest, that didn't really work out how I thought it would because I thought he was
1: probably going to get the start at some point. Yeah. It was not more, maybe a sort of a, a lack of confidence in Cedric Jackson's kind of shit with that team and how that was all going to work out. And, you know, knowing that Emmett's a sort of player of the future in the NBL, I thought, oh, he's going to play well, he's going to throw a bunch of dimes, and I think halfway through the year, or two-thirds of the way through the year, his minutes are really going to spike, and that probably didn't really happen, but, you know, it sort of was a handy player just to keep there, and then, I think the uh, the other guy I had mostly was Brian Bowen,
0: yep. um, and that was mainly, you know, his obviously wasn't sort of giving me heaps of
1: points or giving me much cash over the course of the season but his dual player, dual position eligibility was very handy on the bench so I had with him and Barlow I basically had the ability to slide those guys from shooting guards more forward and power forward between the
0: two of them so that just helped kind of move the pieces around on the bench yeah perfect I had a similar sort of thing approach with those two I think I had them for most of the season I think I had Bowen all the way through as well so that Makes sense to me. What so the, the, you've probably just gone through your winning moves there. Do you reckon you had any moves that didn't pan out for you really that well? Well, yeah, I think I think I had Corey Webster at the very start. You yep. know,
1: we saw him, what he did in Phoenix. Yep. And I thought um, you know with his relationship with Kevin Braswell and what he'd done in the preseason and um thought oh between him. Ty Wesley and Sean Long, that's probably going to be the the group that gets it done for the Breakers. But um, I think maybe that was one that didn't pan out, but thankfully I think I kind of cut ties pretty early, maybe after week one or week two and sort of went elsewhere from there. Um, But no, like I said, I think really I think most of the moves I had throughout the season were all the moves that everyone was making week by week, you know, like trying to bring in Lamar Patterson and Time, at the right time, trying to maximize the doubles over the singles and all that, but I think, like I said before, I think the thing that probably helped was just having the, the right, the guys that were going to go up in money right at the very start, oh, those yep. first sort of two, three, four weeks, and I think the, the big ones were the new imports, Yeah. you know, like Sean Long, Jacob Wiley, DJ Kennedy, um, those guys all starting at one million bucks. Yep, um, and kind of thinking about the role they're going to play on their teams, and that they were going to be, um, you know, pretty influential players, that I think, there was just kind of a steady stream of of price rising from those guys in the
0: early going. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, that was probably, yeah, I think that probably would have been the best move for everyone to make, and also Bogut coming in, who was, a, a, you know, effectively a new import or whatever you want to call him, but he was that that one point five mil to start off with that made people like uh, the three basketball blokes here definitely like go oh maybe we'll wait until their their schedule gets a little bit better for fantasy but obviously that was probably a winning move in the end because he was averaging sort of 70 right from the start and bumping up in price every every week so probably a mistake that some had had made (laughs) Did you make that mistake yeah, I didn't get him I didn't get him until that round eight or whatever it was when they um, started that run double so that that probably cost me a fair bit and and you know I paid up big for him and then in the end I decided I needed to get rid of him to try and make up you know some points um, elsewhere so that's why I know there was I know there was a tweet definitely from someone out there that said why is my I think I had the lowest team value out of the whole top 50. Um, for the last three or four weeks, so um, and I just said, look, it was because I got rid of Bogut, and I think I had some cash. I always had a little bit of cash spare, but it was just, I think I'd got burnt with maybe Ty Wesley holding on to him too long and and that sort of thing yep. too. So that's yeah. all right. Oh, well, I, yeah. I think well, I finished 19th overall. First... Sorry, what was that? I just I said I'm pretty happy with finishing 19th overall in the end. Oh, jeez, you were close, thirteen. I was, I was, but um, I don't. I just, at the time, I was looking at that, and I was looking at other people's benches. Like your bench was stacked compared to mine, and I was just like, "Oh, I'm struggling here." And I, I, I was looking sort of a few weeks ahead, and I just couldn't get the changes I wanted while still keeping my starting lineup sort of all on doubles. Right. And so um, that ultimately cost me in the end, but that's okay. These things happen. Um, that was you talk
1: about the bench. That was the, one of the other things I was sort of trying to. I was trying to wrap my head around during the season. This, you know, people, you guys, and um, people that I've sort of touched base with throughout the season and talked hoops and fantasy hoops with were talking about um, edge upgrades. And I had no idea what that meant. Yeah. Um, And I was thinking, all right, so, I was thinking your bench is only worth, you only get 50%, Why why are we spending time on the bench? Um, to be honest I didn't really do much bench upgrading now that i wrap my head around what it, what it is. Yep. Um, really for most of the season I, I guess there were times when it kind of just happened by accident where yep. I wanted to bring someone new into the starting lineup and um, I had the ability I guess with them Someone
0: from my starting lineup and across to the bench, yep. and drop, drop
1: someone that was on the bench, and I was and So I'm assuming that's what—that's one way to do a bench upgrade. Because yep. the other way is just going straight, drop a guy, drop the hole and
0: bring in, do like Rashad or someone like that, and that's and just keep it on the bench. But um, I think looking back, I think that worked out quite well. Not trying to do that too early, yep. and just focusing. Maximising the, um, the points in the starting lineup. Yeah, I think and if you had if you still had Barlow sitting there anyway, and I think in the end you had Corey Webster too, so those guys were on doubles for like the last four weeks of the season anyway, so you probably weren't gonna be needing to change them around too much either. Probably worked think, out well. I think the other big decision um for I think for everyone mid season was when Bogart's when Bogart started playing singles. Yep decision whether to keep him
1: or drop him, Yep. and I, I put him on the bench, I think it was that one crucial week, one week, where it was the, the big decision about whether to drop him or keep him yep. on your bench, or play him on a single, and I put him on, and that's when his actions um, sort of started to fall off a little bit, yep. so that, that ended up being a bit of a mistake, okay. um, in retrospect I'm probably, you know, we're all in hindsight but I put him on the bench and his production dropped off and all of a sudden he was losing value and those people that dropped him were doing quite well because I thought like, oh we're can find a way to bring him back on save some, some salary loss yep. um, but yeah
0: I guess it will work out well again did, did you have uh, did you have my boy Nick Kaye at any time during the year I don't know if he was in the team much was he
1: on the Nick Cave train, um, but I did have him. I did have him on that monstrous week. I don't think I'm sure if I had him on as captain when he had his really really big week. Yeah, two point. weeks in a row. Yeah. Um, but I had him in the lineup, which which was good. Um, I did have
0: I did have Sobe captain the week he tripled double. Oh, okay, that was good. I think I think that helped. Yeah. Um, but.
1: Yeah, I mean I was pretty keen on making from that point on I was pretty keen on making sure I had Nick Carry in the lineup whenever he had doubles. So yep. obviously there were a couple of weeks where he was a little quiet in that regard. Yep. Um but overall once he once he showed me that he was gonna
0: be um he was gonna add those dimes to his stat line, yep. I thought, oh well he, you know, he's pretty
1: reliable in terms of getting points, getting offensive, rebounds. You know, he becomes a bit of a Ty Wesley type when he's adding three or four, five dimes to the, to the, um, line, and I thought he
0: became like a guy he needed to have in there That's it, he, he fills up all those stats, doesn't he, really? So, yeah, he was, he, he was one of my first in if he had doubles, pretty much, so, worked out well.
1: So, he, so did you have him captain when he went, what, do you have, like, 200 or
0: yeah, that's it, so there was that week, there was two weeks in a row I think it was where I had him captain and um, that was pretty early in the season, I think when they were on a double somewhere, so it was what round 7 to 10, so it was somewhere around there and I had him on yeah. two weeks in a row and I, I went against Banksy's captain choice both weeks and um, and it turned out good for me, um, yeah. he was still a non-believer in K I think at the time so um, that's where I sort of got the jump on, on the, the other two boys and um yeah. Right, yeah, that's it. Pretty much. So where where did the other fellows finish? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm not sure if they want to say it out loud. Um, <laughs> well they're not here. Um so yeah, they're not on the call. Um, if you miss a meeting. That's <laughs> yeah, that's <what> it. <laughs> yeah. I think Banksy was around the around the two hundred mark, he kinda of gave it away well he didn't give it away, he was just trying real out there moves to try and get it back in the end and it would it just kept hurting him, basically. Kind of like what I did for the last couple of weeks. I did a few things that were probably a little bit just out there and it didn't pan out at the end. But, um, you risked it for the biscuit. I risked it for the biscuit and it didn't work. Uh, you know, I went with Casper instead of McCarron when there was a bit of a, a question mark on his knee and all this sort of stuff, and that really burnt me, I guess, in the end. So I reckon Mitch McCarron had about an extra, uh, probably close to 150 points or something over the three weeks or whatever it was, so that would have that definitely hurt me. Um, yeah. Etc. So yeah, um, and I think Benny finished in the top. Oh, I think he, I think he got in the top fifty in the end. Okay. I think, I think I'm not 100 percent sure. To, don't quote me on that. We'll, um, we'll save that for the our. Uh, we're going to do a uh, re, end of year review show. I think uh, this weekend. Right. So we'll probably pop that up when we do it. So, so top, you
1: finished 19, top 20. What was your Best
0: move or moves? What was your money play? Like? Uh, probably K in those in those weeks. I probably got lucky there, um, Captain him yeah. at the right time. I, I made pretty good captain choices all year, pretty much. Um, I'm not sure why. It just, I just, it just happened to be that way. Um, I had Long a couple of times when he balled out as captain as well, and and was the top scorer in the, in the round. Um, yeah, I reckon all year I pretty much had either the first or second high scoring player for the round in captain. So, um, and sometimes that was um, Bank- Banksy's number one captain choice, and sometimes it wasn't. So, um, um, it's just the way it worked out, I guess. But, um, and I think I had Long from the start. I had, uh, yeah. You know, obviously, Barlow was the one that made a ton of money for everyone, but it, you know, a bunch of people had him. Um, yeah, that was and. An, uh, yeah, I had pretty much the same well, kind of the same sort of bench as yourself. So I bow and um, that's about it really. I just I just happened to be around the around the mark. I think after those couple of games with K captain, I was sort of up in the top, you know, thirty or 40 you know, twenty thirty or something, and I just sort of stayed hovered around there the whole time.
1: Did you have um, Did you have like a swing for the fences move that? that... Maybe, you know
0: could have put you up in the top five or in the, in the money that didn't quite pay off. Um, for a couple of weeks at the end, there I was keeping Wesley even though his form dropped right off, yeah, just because I thought it almost was almost a point of difference to have him in the side. because um, I reckon every, I thought everyone was jumping off and it probably didn't pan out. I mean, around 16, what do you have? A uh, 30 for the round. Round 17, he had 58. You know, everyone else was scoring nearly hundreds. Long had over 150 for the round. So, but I had him mm-hmm. as well. But and, oh, hey, sorry, that was with Long captain. But um, yeah. So, um, that probably hurt a little bit. And as I said, I went, I, I dropped Trimble and brought in Casper um, for the last couple of rounds, and that probably hurt me as well a little bit. Probably should have kept Trimble on the bench and done something else for that week and put Trimble back in this week. Obviously, round 18, he had a. And he was what second high, high scorer, I think, or something along those lines. So that was probably a move that didn't pan out for me either. But that's okay. These things happen. I think last year I finished about 70th, so um, I'm pretty happy with Play the turn. improvement. And the, the deep ballers will be back next year, bigger and better, hopefully. <laughs> um, how do you think the the effect is of going to have the other team? It's going to spread, obviously, rosters out a little bit, both in general and also fantasy. Oh, bring in the Phoenix? Yep.
1: But it's very exciting isn't it? Um, obviously the league's been growing and um, you know, Larry's been talking expansion and this is you know, this is obviously where I'm, you and I were a bit biased I guess being here in Melbourne and yep. this, I mean you're in Frankston, right? Yep, I'm down from isn't that, that, that in way. South yeah. and it's, um, I think it's the perfect place for the team to be in terms of a commercial sense and um, just the potential for a big, big following. obviously you know, it Massive in that area. Um, and I mean, the talent is there for more, certainly there for another team. You know, like yep. there's, been, there's been a bunch of guys that haven't been getting many minutes this season around the league who um, could definitely, you know, contribute with a larger role. Um, and, you know, but, you know, a number of guys outside of the league as well who, yep. um, you know, could definitely serve to be in there as well as. Bunch of it you know, year after year we're getting guys coming back from college who are ready to contribute at a high level. Some guys that are coming back a little early, like uh like Harry Frolling this year, and then other guys that are coming back at the end of um, their college career, guys like Emmett Nara and we're gonna have a bunch of those kind of guys coming back this year and next year and um, so it's gonna be exciting seeing more of those younger players with maybe uh, the chance to play bigger minutes yep. um, and you know, the challenge obviously is for them to be competitive in year one you know, we've seen even with, the, with bringing back to the bullets mm. how difficult that can be in mm. year one and took them till to their third year back to, to make it into the postseason um, despite the expectations you know with Andre and the names they had you know, just building something up from scratch is, it's always really difficult establishing a culture and, um, just a, a winning environment. So that'll be the challenge to be competitive, and um, obviously, we all just wait with bated breath to hear about their new signings. So we see they've got Mitch locked in as a monkey man, and um, recently announced signing of Ben Badger, which I think is a good move. And hopefully, the Grizzle Man's got a couple more big names to come in the next little while, and then they can nail their imports and you know, be off and running.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that pans out. I know um, uh, we spoke about it the other day. Free agency starts pretty quick with it, quickly with the NBL, so I think we'll see quite a few roster announcements sort of as soon as the finals finish. Um, so it will be a little bit interesting to see. Yeah, so wait and see. I guess I'm pretty happy with the signing so far. I think um, imagine signing today. Oh, look, the, the the fan in me doesn't want to have Mitch Creek playing in the NBL because I'd rather him get a yeah. gig in the NBA. So. We'll have to wait and see how that pans out for Mitch over the next you know, six months or whatever. I guess, but um, yeah, he's hoping. But you know, I guess it's not a bad fallback plan to have that you can come over and be sort of that marquee player for the Phoenix as well. Um, well
1: let's sort of wait and see, isn't it? I mean, imagine being in in Tommy's
0: place, mm-hmm. where you know, you know, having the relationship that he
1: has with Mitch, yep. um, and really wanting him to to do well and and you know get that. NBA contract, and then at the same time, he's taking his first kind of steps into this business as a G, as an NBA GM, and wanting to put together the, the best possible roster. So it's a bit of kind of conflicting emotions for him, you'd have to think.
0: I bet. I can only imagine. So, and just what fans are thinking about it. So, wait and see. Um, I guess we. we Going over the 20-minute mark now, mate. So I think I'll probably try and wrap it up for you. I know you're going off to a recording at the uh, Fox Studios as well. So I guess just a pretty open one. How important do you think uh, fantasy is, as in NBL fantasy is for the league going forward? We kind of feel like it maybe took a bit of, bit of a backseat this year um, compared to say last year, where it was maybe on a bit advertised a bit more on the on the coverage on TV, etc. So. Do you think it's a? Do you think the the league, I guess, thinks it's important? And um, you know, will we see you as the uh, spokesperson now for it? Now that you're uh, the reigning champ. I think
1: I might be done. Might be time to
0: retire. <laughs> retire on top. You know, like uh, George Costanza, where he just sort of walks out of the meeting and says, <laughs> "I'm done. I'm out. That's it." Uh, <laughs> it's not that way. No, bad, I mean, obviously, fantasy
1: hoops is fantasy sports. It's a massive
0: industry, yep. isn't it? Yep. And, um, you know, we see
1: in the States how much of a great job they do promoting the fantasy sports engagement and um, I've certainly played NBA fantasy for years and years and years and it's one of the things that kind of um, has you watching, I mean I've watched it anyway, but a lot of people, it helps brings them into watching games even when the team that they don't support um, isn't playing. Yep. And you know, that, you know that's something that, that really helps. So um, I think maybe the there was like some sponsorship aspect yep. of this season, which is why it maybe didn't get as much promotion yep. um, this year as it as it did. I think Sportsbet were involved in were they, they were the sponsors for yep. the fantasy yep.
0: League? Yeah. And, um, and yeah, with the
1: broadcast kind of going global, going into so many different markets, a lot of those uh, markets. Have you know gambling rules and can't you know, don't want uh, betting agencies mentioned. So I think that might have been one of the reasons I wasn't promoted on the broadcast as much as it was yeah. last year, where it was people getting a little sick of uh, the commentators mentioning their fantasy teams. But um, but obviously the numbers that are people involved in it haven't dipped too much because you know it's a, it's a great I think it's a great thing to sit alongside the league as as another kind of marketing tool and a way to. Engage people and build a sort of loyal, engaged audience who are locked in week after week and watching a whole range of games. Because I think that's one of the things that with um, MBL supporter base, it's very tribal, um, you know. Whereas Australian um, MB- NBA fans
0: don't usually just watch their team; they watch the league okay, and they cool. lock in
1: on all the different players that they love. Yep. Whereas. Whereas I think at the moment, a lot of the NBL supporter base, that they
0: just, it's all about their team. Yep. Um, they'll, they'll, you know, the Red Army will watch the
1: Wildcats, um, but maybe not...
0: Not so much the yep. really hardcore fans. Maybe, maybe they might watch a Titans
1: sort of Sydney game or, or the like. But if you're playing fantasy and you've got players from each of those teams and, you, you know, you want to keep your eye on who's playing well and who isn't, you're probably going to lock in on those games. So the more people playing, I think, Better and um, yeah, I just kind of bounce
0: back and, and grow from there. Yeah, I know one of the big things we were a bit annoyed about this year is there was no prizes for the game day, which is what they do. It's another competition attached to the NBL fantasy comp where you pick a team for that's playing, pick a team out of players that's playing every day. So if you know there's Thursday games, Friday games, Saturday games, Sunday games, for example. Uh and um there's no salary cap and you sort of pick you know five teams i guess for the weekend if you're going to play every day every day and sort of prizes for that but um seeing the prizes were taken away this year yeah well the prizes last year were like a signed ball each week and stuff like that so i think banksy won one last year and i think benny even won one in the end last year as well so um Okay. Those boys were disappointed that, that those prizes went around, and we think that they probably, probably, the NBL probably missed out on a few uh, extra fans there. But that's okay; they might bring it back with some prizes next year, hopefully. All right, I know. So is that something
1: that, like, um, if your team's not doing too well, you know, if you're in the 200s or something, and you think, oh, not, I don't have a chance to yep. get up to the prizes or whatever, 100. And you're starting to lose interest in your squad
0: people would lock into that correct that yeah that See, I reckon that's what happened this year Like, a, a, we noticed like a few thousands well probably a, maybe a couple of thousand at least sort of dropped off and some of the players were okay. staying on teams when you, it's obvious if you were having a real crack at your season long competition you wouldn't have had those players in your team at that time right. um, so we sort of did some we sort of thought to ourselves that that's that might what people might have dropped off a little bit if they weren't in the top sort of 1000 or something in the first few weeks. So um yep. the game yep. day probably would keep them interested we think. Maybe a few more people would be involved but um I guess maybe the uh the league has and and um fan hub who run the the fantasy comp obviously probably got more numbers on the statistics there of logins and all that sort of stuff but yep. who knows um, I'm conscious you need to run off mate and, and get in for the recording so once again just yeah. wanted to say thank you for um, uh, joining me today um, but also uh, through your conversation and, and tweeting and all that sort of, sort of stuff through the year I know quite a few of our followers and fans were loving the interaction between us and you and them as well and all that sort of stuff too so um, no, no worries, big, big thanks, big so thanks for the year on. mate uh, and i uh, thanks hats off to you guys
1: um, different podcasts and shows and, and uh, people covering the league is in different ways, you know, in the in the real game, in the fantasy game, and everything is, is the better. And I certainly enjoyed listening to you guys week after week.
0: I liked your musical talent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm in my music studio at the moment as I'm as I'm talking to you. So there you go. Um, I like it. It's, oh, okay. it's not much of a studio, mate. It's a ta- it's a table with a with a with a very inexpensive microphone. So, um, no, well, but it's good. Well, cool. okay. and, and hats off to Banksy. I think putting
1: you as Cameron Tragar would just rub it. Your avocados on the line week after week. <laughs> but you know he didn't he didn't just give a group of, of five guys to consider. He went five to one, counted them down, put his business on the line every week, yep. and putting himself up for kind of critique, which yep. you guys duly. Took advantage of We, we do, yes. Um, was uh, it was very impressive, so good stuff We're bigger right. and better for you guys next season.
0: Cheers mate, and no, thanks for that and also for you too, so hopefully you're the spokesperson you can uh, you know, talk talk us up a little bit to the league or whatever or the competition.
1: Alright mate. I told you I'm, done.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. George Costanza's out. I'm out. Cool mate, alright, thanks again. All right. And uh, chat soon. Cheers, mate. Cheers buddy. Cheers, cheers mate. mate. Alright right, listeners, hope you enjoyed our interview with uh, Liam Santamaria, the NBL Fantasy Champion for 2018-2019. What's next for the Basketball Blokes? Well, we'll be doing a Twitter Live for the season review show. So stay tuned to our Twitter, which is at bball underscore blokes, uh, or also our Facebook, which is just Basketball uh, Blokes. And uh, we'll be announcing when we'll be doing that Twitter Live, possibly this weekend, I think, maybe Sunday. Um, and then from there, you know, as always, uh, tweet away, ask questions, all that sort of stuff on the Twitter and on the Facebook. Lastly, good luck to our Boomers this weekend. A couple of games overseas, and a uh, special mention to our young guns that we uh, like and talk about as much as we can here on at the basketball blokes. You got Dan Gritter, Emmett Yenar, and uh, Benny's boy Froling, playing for the Boomers this week. So good luck to those guys, and I uh, hope they get some minutes and get a couple of wins as well. Cheers.